coming in on three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of Bruce Booze and Reviews. Yeah! I like this shot full of shit. That's about it. <laughs> was that was that recorded? <laughs> a sperm bag of sounders. Bananas kind of pissed me off. And the average for the beer that everybody loves is really high. I like getting shit on. It's not an episode if you didn't make something up. Tangerines are whores. All right, welcome once again to another episode of Brews, Booze, and Reviews, a childish podcast about adult beverages. I'm your host, Knox. With me today is Big Earn. I'm happy for you to have me here. Or, I'm happy what? that you're here to have me. I'm, uh, I don't know, I've been what? drinking already. <laughs> it's fucking Saturday and I'm at a brewery. I'm, I'm, I'm in my happy space. Yeah, that's one of these. Stumble over the words. Uh, Today, Chris is not with us again, Um, but we are here, still in Sioux Falls, because we love this town. We got coming down here. Uh, We are here today at Fernson Brewing with owner and co-owner and CEO, Derek Fernholz. Hey, yeah. Did I say your last name right? Fernholz, yeah. That's excellent. That's similar to the name of the brewery. Kind of. Kind of. Yes, well, we have. We'll talk about uh, Ferns and the Man here after a bit. But uh, uh, how you how you been doing, Derek? Uh, how's things been going so far this year? We're already four months into the new year, and we're, uh, you know things are starting to get back to normal from the old uh, COVID nineteen days. Uh, how have things been going here in the brewery and in the tap room downtown? Yeah, no, wild couple of years. Uh, yeah, <laughs> started this year. Uh, you know. It's it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally, some interesting things going on, but uh, no, we're we're hopeful this is the first big summer back. You know, I think Definitely. that's. I feel a lot of that in the air that this summer might be. You know, back I mean, to what twenty nineteen was, just like air quotes normal kind of used to be, but <laughs> yeah. not the, exactly the same. Yeah, I don't use normal anymore. It's yeah, new normal. It's, I mean, you know, when normal. things are getting back to normal, when you've gotten how many invites to outdoor events this year so far? Not enough. Not uh, enough? Yeah, send them in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Under, uh, Under Brew Skies is going on. We know Zoo Brew is going to happen. Uh, Rare Beer Picnic is going to be coming back this year. It hasn't been around since uh, 2019. And, and uh, this yeah, is all stuff up in the Fargo yeah, area. Yeah, Fargo, Moorhead area. Yeah, Not and, so and much the, around the not around Falls, South Dakota area. Exactly, exactly. They probably have their own uh, parties to go to. Like, what kind of events do you have in this uh, in the Sioux Falls area uh, during the summer? Um, as far as beer beer events, yeah, none off the top of my head. I mean, we, close to us, we got Hendrix, Minnesota. They do a bands uh, bacon and brews festival around Memorial Day that we always do. Nice, that's really fun. Um, and then that's you know, coming a, up here in a month and a half or so. That's right, it's coming up. And then um, yeah, I mean, the summer months there's always things going on. We have a lot of downtown events here in Sioux Falls, so. There's Riverwalk, Riverfest. There's, you know, we have the walkway along the river downtown, and there's outdoor music and grab a beer and walk around and food trucks, that kind of <sighs> stuff. That would be awesome. Walk along the river and drink a beer as you're walking along. It's yeah. like if you're floating down a beer or down the river in, in a tube with a beer in your hand. Yeah. But you're getting marketized by actually walking. <laughs> I mean, you could throw a tube in if you want, but it's the big Sioux. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you just in Fargo, we can't have open containers outside unless nope. it's a special event like West Fargo has the street fair. The street fair where they let you. Otherwise, nope. Yeah, yeah. And they also this have is the, a spend, the special market. event license okay. as well. 
mean, normally you don't allow open containers as, uh, <laughs> Whoops, as a rule. That's why that cop this looked at Nevada. me last night. Yeah, this is in Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we wanted to say uh, thank you for inviting us here to Fernson. I'm glad things have been uh, looking up for you guys. And uh, man, I've heard a lot about you guys just for, on just the social medias alone um, about what a great brewery this is. And uh, uh, I'm looking straight here. So we are here at the brewery. And not the downtown location today because it's a lot quieter and your downtown location is open and you're going to have a lot of people out there at this time. And you were very gracious enough to allow us to have uh, better recording situations. Uh, but I'm staring down at this big open window you have at the brewery, looking into your brewery. And you got some big containers in there. Uh, why don't you tell us about your, your, your barrel room here and what you got? Yeah, so uh, our core setup here, our production setup is a 30-barrel brew house, two 30-barrel fermenters, 10 60-barrel fermenters, 30-barrel bright tank, 60-barrel bright tank, and then our pilot side, our small batch side, we have a five-barrel brew house, three five-barrel fermenters, and a five-barrel bright tank. Nice. Yeah. So and how then, often are you are you uh, firing up those uh, five-barrel systems? So we we release a new beer every, every week on Thursday. Um, we generally miss two-ish a year, which just happened this week. Um, when things just aren't ready or don't line up, right? We don't rush things. It needs to be ready. It needs to be up to our standards. So, um, but on average, about 50 new beers a, a year coming out. Beautiful. And, yeah. And so generally once once to twice a week, depending on timing, we're brewing on the five-barrel side. Okay. Wow. That must be a logis- logistical label nightmare, having to deal with the TTB uh, that often. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so with so with the so the, C- T- the TTB, ladies and gentlemen, is is how the 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 United States figures out whether your labels are good and you can sell out to the public. Nah, they just want their taxes. <laughs> exactly. It's the Tax and Trade Bureau. Um, huh, they want yeah. money. Yep. So for us, the, for us, what comes out of the five barrel system is our seed series, is what we label our research and develop small batch. So they get a sequential number. We're on 132 right now, I think, um, and the style of beer. And so because we're not crossing state lines with that, it just goes to our tap rooms. Um, TTB is not involved. Gotcha. They get their taxes still. Yeah, we file have quarterly to. reports. <laughs> but we don't have to get label approval because it's staying inside of our state. They only step in when you go interstate with it across state lines. Oh, and that's okay. why you keep that green label uh, on your on your list cans and you use the, the sticker label to label them the, the seed series, correct? Yep. All by hand, very, you know, small batch, labor of love. So uh, how have things been going in the brew house? Uh, what, what are your favorites to brew right now? Everything, everything we're doing is really fun. I think what's really interesting is diversification of our product lineup, right? So a year and a half ago, we finally, after two and a half years of R&D, figured out our seltzer program, which is skip day hard seltzers. And so that is, was our first step to be less of a brewing company and more of a beverage company, right? And it's still brewing, but it's not beer anymore. It's not, I mean, it's beer federally and tax-wise, it's beer. <laughs> TTB, for, for, like, for you, me, and the beer purists of the world, it's not beer. It's like beer, but it's not beer. And so um, I think there's more of that in our future. I think just looking at what's going on in, in the drinking world, um, with people trending towards drinking less or less os- often, uh, being sober curious, there's there's a lot of room for us to do new things. And so pushing the envelope on new and exciting things that are extensions or steps in other directions than just core beer, seltzer, and brewing, I think that's the most exciting thing we're playing around with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing that's ready for the light of day right now, but that's what's on the 
on the forecast. So your favorite thing is R&D, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't like the next new shiny thing? I mean, that's part of why we scratched our own itch with the seed series. Like, if we have a whim or an idea, we can do a five-barrel batch and put it on tap in our tap room and get real-world feedback and see how sales go, see what people thought about it, check the untapped check-ins and mm-hmm. see what it, you know, see what's going on. But yeah, yeah makes um, sense. Yeah, and so that's that's a huge part of us. You know, Blake and uh, my business partner Blake and I keeping ourselves excited and and you know we love that people drink a ton of Lions Paul Auger, mm-hmm. our our number one seller and our skip day hard seltzers but we also love hearing holy cow that latest seed series whatever whether it's a sour or a, a hoppy beer or a lager was phenomenal that makes us exci- just as excited I mean that's how you get in the brewing game in the first place right because you want to try to make your own beers and then also Maybe you want to try beers that haven't been made yet. Maybe you want to experiment with new hops. I mean, we, you and I, Derek, earlier while we were doing our sampling, we were talking strictly about the cryo process because you were adding cryo Idaho 7 20 uh, beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was interesting learning from you how that process uh, comes about. So, I mean, learning new techniques of, of, of getting hop flavors to the brewers is as exciting as well as, you know, trying new styles or. Uh, you know, the seltzer game, you took a long time to really develop that because I think you were probably one of the first, you know, local craft people to actually really try seltzers. And there wasn't a lot of forums out there for people to go and check out and, you know, put type in the cheat code and there you go. No, so I you mean, started we, the seltzer game how, how long ago now? We released them to the public uh, August of 2020. Oh, so Okay. Yeah, so a year and a half, almost two years and ago. two and a half years of up until that point, figuring it out. Um, Jeez, four so, years of trial and error, and here yeah, we are. Yeah, here we are now. And so, yeah, we took the approach that, like we do with everything else, like it has to be up to our standards. It has to be done the way we think it should be. It has to be non-gimmicky. It has to be real ingredients, real process, and something you can you know hang your hat on at the end of the day and feel like you did real work. Um, so no cheat codes, as you said. Yeah. So right. when you put the the Fernson Brewery label on it, you know it's a quality product. It's not just a what white claw knockoff <laughs> on, <laughs> no, on our end on the specific hard seltzers, anyways. Yeah, on our end, it it doesn't go out the door unless it meets our standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us internally, the Fernson label or made by Fernson Brewing Company, which Skip Day has at the bottom of it on its label, means that we've we've gone through our rigor and our, our process and we're proud to call this one of ours, mm-hmm. part of the family. If it doesn't meet those standards, it goes down the drain. Why don't we segue into the skip day since we're, we're speaking on the hard seltzer process right now. Well, look at that. Yeah. Uh, so, so two and a half years took you to develop this recipe good enough to meet your standards. And earlier we were talking as well, you went through 14 different uh, uh, ta- uh, tasting Fla- companies for flavor your flavors, houses. right? Yeah. What do they call those again? Flavor houses. Flavor so people houses. that make people that make <laughs> okay. these natural essences and things that help you make things taste like stuff. You know? oh, yeah. I, I yeah. was thinking like Willy Wonka, where you go into the house and you actually start eating it. Yeah. No, or you know, eat some blueberries and right. uh, big snozberries taste like snozberries. Jeez. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> this is not fizzy lifting drink. No, <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the skip day that we uh, chose the tropical punch. Uh, Skip day, tropical punch seltzer. seltzer. Yeah, so all your seltzers are 4.3%, correct? Yes. And that is intentional. Uh, looking at this, this is looks just like water. 
Um, there is a slight like hue to it. Just a, when I was up there uh, drinking it up at the bar, I noticed it seemed like there was just a slight. Uh, it's those crappy yellow lights we have over oh, the I bar. Yeah. <laughs> looking out at the am I, I'm old. My eyesight <laughs> isn't what it used to be. I may have cataracts. Yeah, yeah. no, looking no. out the window here uh, through the glass, it looks just the same color. I mean, it's crystal clear water, but what Carbonate. sets it apart is, holy crap, the smell. Ah, smells like fruit. It smells like it actually is something. There's something in there. Yeah, it smells. I wrote, my notes are uh, a great sweet nose. Definitely some of that, that tropical fruits in there. I get pineapple, coconut. Uh, I get some passion fruit in there. Yeah, it's, it's reminiscent of a candy from my childhood that I can't quite place, and it's kind of in that cream saver realm of like, um, you know, the generically. You remember when the, what was it, like Lifesavers life had like the, the, the strawberries one? and cream yeah, one? Yeah, like yeah. It was like, oh, it's somewhere yeah, in that realm those. of like, where it's got that sweetness, but that fruity, citrusy tartness. What I like, it, it is not too sweet it, yeah it's got some fruit sweetness but a little bit of dryness and tart because not all fruit is super sugary sweet correct but it's sweet on the nose but on the taste is where it, where it pulls back yes. from the sweetness and it's not sweet. yeah i get i get a lot of fruit on that nose mm-hmm. first off let me just say as far as all the beers here at for instance good job on the carbonation yeah i mean, I mean every single one was just like I think that's Chris, the whole Sioux Falls I, thing. I think Sioux Falls just has great water profile. Quite great water profile and carbonation everywhere that we've been has just been on point. Yeah, uh, we, we stressed it pretty hard. We 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 invested years ago in in things that allow us to test, like not just by shaking a Zom. I don't know if it, what other breweries been to. Like, there's very <laughs> manual ways to check carbonation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't, you know, Anton Parr is the the name of it, but. Um, the C box and allows us to check our dissolved oxygen as well as our CO2 volumes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, before that, we use the Zom and Nagel shake test. Um, but we've always been like pushing the line of we need it to be carbonated enough once it gets into a keg or a can. And have it, it is the experience that because it's going to get moved once or twice more, right? So we put it in a keg, it's going to get poured into a glass. So there's one more time of knocking out CO2. So we need to go a little bit more. Can't go too much so that it doesn't just doesn't pour foam on the tap line. Yeah. So like there's a fine line there. And on cans, like we love drinking our products out of cans, but we understand some people don't like that experience. So they want to pour it in a glass. So there's like walking that fine line of like if you knock out a little bit of combination, it's still going to be what we what we intended it to be. Mm-hmm. But if you also if you just drink it out of the can, it's going to be there too. Yeah. Okay, and not That's too cool. much where it's a fizzy mess in your nose. Every time you burp, you go, and it hurts yeah. your nose. Yeah. I hate when that happens. But uh, I think this is a seltzer Anne would like because she's really not into the super sweet ones mm-hmm. that some of them are. I think this is Be- the first time we've been to a brewery that had seltzers that we actually, like, we need to talk about the seltzer because it's fucking delicious. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, out of all the breweries we've been to. So, yeah, uh, yeah the, the finish on this is nice and dry, but not too dry. It makes you want to co- keep coming back to it. And you said it was 90 calories and it only two 94. carbs. 94. 94? Um, yep, zero sugar, two carbs. Still trying to figure out where the carbs, carbs come from. <laughs> um, like, where the fuck are these carbs? Yeah. Sure. So we, we get these lab tested by a food lab to be able to put the nutrition label on the la- on, on the can. Yep. Because in the traditional seltzer world of the big guys, um, that better for you thing matters. Yep. And whether it matters to you or not as the consumer, we want as much information on that can as you need to make your decision. Mm-hmm. And so we put that on there, right? We got it tested, verified, average analysis. It's 90, I think it's 94 calories or 95 4.3% alcohol, zero sugar, two grams of carbs, 
gluten-free, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it fits that better for you thing, but with what we did with the natural essences, what we do with the the and you said natural, acid. we gotta we gotta you know really emphasize natural because yeah. these do taste natural and not like some kind of corn syrup that you dye, you dump into your your shit and gives yeah. you a flat flavor. You don't get that, you know. Some some of the ones you try, whether from big guys or small guys, like you'll if you take a second and wanted to like put your mind there, you get an aftertaste of like something that's like a children's chewable chewable Tylenol. You get mm-hmm. something that like doesn't taste authentic or real or natural yeah. like you get the, like a chemical thing on the end and we're like i said we went through 14 different flavor houses to get where we, we are um because we wanted it to taste like a natural like product and which it is it's, mm-hmm. it's certified it's I've, I've got the data sheets it's it's a natural essence mm-hmm. um it's macerated fruit parts like skin whatever you know like they and then they distill that off to get the essence of that real fruit and then yeah. we get it and we put it in here mm-hmm. that's um, great yeah it doesn't taste like overly processed. It it it, it does taste as it's, it's like it's like when you drink one of those uh, raspberry beverages that you can taste the hairs on the raspberries. That's when you know that it's real raspberry flavor in there. And this is kind of reminiscent of that, where it does taste natural. And you have three core seltzers that you have, right? Uh, talk about those for a little bit. Yeah. So when we started out, we we knew um, you know we weren't the first of the game. Obviously, the big ones are out there already. And we're like, we're not going to beat them at their own games. So we're not going to pick the same flavors. So we, we kind of went into it thinking, all right, when we, now we figured out how to make the base product and we've figured out what flavor house we want to use, like which flavors do we go with? And the idea was, let's pick something fun, maybe nostalgic, but fun, something generically fruity, and then something that is citrusy. Those were our three. And so we landed on fun was fruit punch. It smells like a high seed juice box like you had as a kid. Yeah. Um, and then we've got black raspberry, which is our generically fruity one. It's jammy, fruity, really nice, seemingly more full-bodied somehow, even though it's spec-wise, nutritionally, everything else the same. same. Um, and then our citrus one, we have orange pineapple, which is really refreshing and easy. And yeah, and that's great. Yeah, I got those three good categories right there for people to choose from, and they're they're all savory categories. And I think people should try these. I definitely. Uh, <laughs> I love this uh, tropical punch one, and I can't wait to go to the downtown store, or the, I'm sorry, the tap room <laughs> after this, uh, after we record this, and try some more of your uh, wonderful tap beers. Mm, very delicious. Uh, so the next Agreed. one, greed. Yeah. So the next one we want to try is uh, something that I never thought that I would also have on a podcast from a tap room takeover because every one of these that I've tried have been crap, except for this one made by you. If uh, I was a blushing guy, I'd be blushing. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of rouge never, you know, on the cheeks brings out everything. I'll just pinch them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is our first foray into your Seed Series. Uh, this is the Seed Series 123. Uh, talk a little bit about the Seed Series and what that means to you as, uh, as a brewer here at Princeton and what it could mean for the consumer as well and what, you know, what, they ex- what they should expect when they see the Seed Series sticker on a green can. Yeah. I um yeah I touched on it earlier, but it's our small batch R and D system. It's five barrel batches. Um, it's generally things that we're either tweaking or learning about, or new things from scratch that we just want to see what it would do. And that's kind of where this falls in. We're, we're I think we're pretty good at making lagers and pilsners, but we've never really done too much with traditional rice, like flaked mm-hmm. rice. 
We've done some stuff in the past with Fair State with puffed jasmine rice, which was really fun. Yeah, I, I think I had that beer as well. Uh, um, wasn't he a rapper in the late 90s? <laughs> jasmine <laughs> rice? No. Puff, puff, puff jasmine. Puff, puff jasmine. Yeah. He had that I, one. I, I, don't think Daddy, I don't think Diddy ever yeah, used the puffed, no. puffed jasmine no. moniker. <laughs> um, but Dad no, joke sure. number three for the day. All right. Yeah. I'm going to tally it up. It's on the wall here. There we go. Um, <laughs> Chalkboard. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but this was our first foray into like sort of quote unquote normal rice as a brewer would use. It's not rice solids. It's not rice syrup. It's not, you know, it's not that homogenized ubiquitous product. It's literally just cooked, steamed, flaked rice that you can get. It's very similar to what like an oat meal would look like, but it's rice instead of oats. Um, Did you have we, to use a lot of uh, rice hulls in this one to make so sure all the water got through in the sparging process? We generally do on things we're unsure of just to be sure because it doesn't change it or affect it negatively mm -hmm. um, in any beer um, if you're doing it right. Um, rice, unless you're buying glutinous rice for specific purposes, you're not really worried too much about it like you would be on a heavy wheat beer being like too protein heavy yeah. um, or, or oats corn or, spelt, yeah. or oats. Or, yeah, anything that's got a lot of protein in it mm -hmm. um, is where you're going to get sticky. Um, so it wasn't a big concern for us on this one. Um, the stuck mash is like one of the biggest enemies of a brewery. <laughs> yeah, it's a nightmare. It takes, it takes a normally long brew day and makes it unbearably long. So, uh, but yeah, so this one, it's got, it's, it's a clean, crisp Pilsner. We call it just rice lager, but it's essentially a, a, a Pilsner because it looks the part and it is a lager. I don't, you know, it's mostly Pilsner malt. Mm -hmm. Um, it's 5.2% ABV. 5.2%. Yeah. And so like, you know, in a perfect world, this would be a four and a half percent or that's probably what we intended to make. Mm -hmm. But when you're making something for the first time, sometimes your gravity isn't what you expected it to be. So I don't know, it, man. I like lagers that are over 5%. Yeah, so it bumped up there a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it we all liked it, so it went out. If we mm -hmm. didn't like it, we have kind of a very simple thumbs-up, thumbs-down process, right? So, like, production team's small here. It's like four people. Mm -hmm. And so if, uh, if any of us have a thumbs-down and can justify why, we just, we, just, we, we just don't, we don't put it out. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. smart. I mean... Quality control needs Quality, to be yeah. a bigger process in some breweries that I've Well, and it's been just a before. trust thing, too. Like, we, we've been together as a team for years now. We know what it is we're trying to do and what meets our standards. Yeah. If, and we all have varied palates. Like, I pick up diastole like nobody's business. It, like, it's very offensive to me. My business partner can't taste it, but he can taste 30 other things that I can't taste. And most of those are things out of malt that I will never pick up on because he sits and shoes on malt all day as a snack <laughs> i'm not kidding yeah. like that's what he does mm -hmm. um and like you know so everybody that works back there at different levels from brewing to seller to packaging all have different palettes and we all trust each other to say very candidly whether or not we like or it meets what we tried to make this thing for and if it doesn't we don't put it out that's good yeah yeah because that could be someone's first experience with your beer and if it's not up to par then in that's their, gonna in their sour head, them. it might be the last time they try yeah. one of your. Well, beers. yeah, it was like what my thoughts were when I first tried this rice lager. I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be garbage because every rice lager I had before this was not great. But Jesus, nice <laughs> job! Yeah, it's very crisp. It's very clean. Mm. I have I wrote down it. This would be a great tubing beer. This you could crush a bunch of these just relaxing on a nice sunny day like today. It looks like. Mm -hmm. Finally, the down, sun is out. The wind isn't so freaking strong. Yeah, my notes were it's super clean. It's uh, it's very 
no opaqueness whatsoever. It's very clear, very clean, very crisp. A little lighter yellow than uh, some of the other uh, lagers that you might see, but that's come to expect with rice being in there. Uh, on the nose, I got it was really good malt. Um, a slight funk to it, but I liked that about it. And I think that's probably the, the minimal amount of hops that you added in there just to you know make it not so sweet. Um, on the taste, I got sweet, I got tangy, I got uh, good dryness, and it's got a really nice long finish that I really appreciate. Yeah, it's, on this it's got a little bit of dryness at the, at the end, but yeah, it just makes you want to drink more of it. Yeah. Yep, and That's just enough great. of that spicy enough spiciness in there where you get you know some it's flavor. Got, yeah, it's got a little something I can't pinpoint. It, it must be the rice because I don't know if I've had that many rice lagers, honestly. Yeah, I think I've had you try two of them. But uh, so what? The average person like myself might think when you say rice, a rice lager, Budweiser. Like, oh, this is just another Budweiser. Clone, no, was yeah. I think more of Sapporo or Tsingsao. Oh, okay, or Japanese, Japanese style rice lagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of the the, the inspiration. Yeah, for this just this does not taste like Budweiser. Yeah, this no, this is, is really freaking really good. good. Yeah, it's a great food beer, and right? not like mm-hmm. super filling. No, it's not. I feel like I would want another one of these after five minutes. Yeah, easily. Like when I eat and the price Chinese point food. On, and the price point on this is uh, very affordable to be able to do that. <laughs> by the way, yeah. All right, so let's talk about this third one, and this is another beer that oh. I normally don't have. On a podcast at a taproom takeover, um, because not a lot of people do them. But this probably one, for good reason. Well, well, <laughs> well you know, if you're a numbers guy, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but this one is an award-winning beer, and this is your farmhouse ale at a 4.5 percent ABV. It's a saison, um, and this won the 2018 Beer Fest Award, World for, Beer World Beer Cup Gold for a session beer. Got procession wow. beer. So, yeah. yeah, this is highly crushable. Yeah. Obviously, you know, at the uh, 4.5% ABV, it is crushable. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish we, we'd be able to talk more Saison's and these styles on our podcast more because I really do love them. And, you know, coming from Covert Artists and Ales and really respecting that farmhousey wild ale experience just makes me want to appreciate Saison's and farmhouse ales even more. I mean... I guess the most popular one that I can think of is, you know, Boulevard's Tank Seven, yeah. uh, Lift Bridge, Lift Bridge, far, you know, what Farmhouse I'm Girl, of there, you know, farm, uh, farm Girl, yeah, yeah, Farm Girl, yeah, that's farm one, girl. yep, but yeah, this is this is, uh, I would say, I mean, technically, Spotted Cow is a saison. I've only had that once. They also call it a cream ale sometimes, mm-hmm. but I've heard both ways that it's it's a cream <laughs> ale, it's a saison, it's a farmhouse, it's a. Well, that, yeah. that one has a very corny corn mm. corn. They definitely use corn nose. in it. Yeah, yeah. Which we don't. This is this is very simple. This is pilsner. This is two row. This is you know French saison yeast. Um, enough hops to balance it. It's very old world traditional, but brewed to be four and a half percent. Which the old world saison, the word means season in French. Mm-hmm. It was a seasonal beer produced by permanent farmhands in the winter months so that the transient farmhands from spring for planting all the way through harvest in the fall had something to drink. It was liquid bread. It was some sustenance during the day, liquid gator, you know, like medieval Gatorade, if you would. <laughs> it was some sustenance to have out there while they were working all day. Um, and traditionally, those would have been 2 to 3% alcohol. Um, so they didn't know yet. So you can drink it and then still work. Right. Yeah, and get enough, it, get enough protein, you know, to keep working. Yeah, back then, I mean, Louis Pasteur hadn't come through yet. So, like, 
all they knew is you didn't get sick when you drank it. They didn't know that boiling was the reason. They just thought beer was the thing you needed to drink to not be sick because <laughs> yeah. water makes you sick. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so then that style kind of ballooned over the years to like when we first started, for instance, and we were home brewing and figuring out recipes, like every French Saison you could get from Saison DuPont, traditional OG, you know, from over there to yep. Tank 7 from Boulevard was 8-ish percent alcohol. I think if, awesome. I, remember, if I remember correctly, Saison DuPont, I think it might have won that episode that we had with that on there. Yeah, but we really, really respect that style. Uh, it's one of my favorites, but what I always disliked about it and and I wasn't always as old of a man as I am right now, and even <laughs> more so I respect it now, um, is these lower alcohols. So like what I what I loved about it was everything it was in flavor and aroma and experience for drinking, but it was eight, eight plus percent alcohol. And I'm more into like, I like drinking beer. That's why I'm here. Yeah. That's why we do what we do. I don't want to just have one. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so when you start putting them in that 8% range, it, so the idea with the recipe formulation around farmhouse sale was like, can we make something that is, I wouldn't say the same as or as good as necessarily, because it's a whole different echelon, but like reminiscent enough of or satisfying enough of to be a Saison DuPont or a, or a Tank 7, but a lower alcohol. And so that's where the recipe came from. That's 4.5%. And, uh, we were just fortunate enough that with the World Beer Cup, the way they judge, judge their session beers is you entered as a classic style. So we entered a French Saison as the style to judge it by. It just happened to be a session version of that. So they got to go through the flavor profile notes, the aroma, the mouthfeel, the appearance, all the things while you're judging a beer as it was a French Saison and write it up. And then and, drop it into the just, uh, and just, sessions. And just say that, you know, like it hits all those marks and it also happens to be under 5% alcohol by volume, which is the session category. So Nice. Yeah. Ah. And you just submitted it again this year, correct? Yeah. So we submitted in 2020. So World Beer Cup happens every two years. It's kind of like World Cup soccer, but it's mm-hmm. every two and, you know. And so they have judges from all over the world, entries from all over the world, a little different from the Great American Beer Festival, which mm-hmm. happens every year. Yep. And it's G-A-B-F. pretty much just yep. U.S., this is worldwide, and the judges are from a hundred and some countries. And wow, yeah, That's impressive. And uh, yeah, and so we we entered in twenty twenty. So we won in twenty eighteen in Nashville was where the awards were. We entered in twenty twenty, but then COVID hit and they canceled the awards. So they haven't had one since twenty eighteen. We entered again. The beers are down in in Colorado to be judged, and in early May we'll find out if if we uh, got anything. Well, I'm not holding my well, breath, but I'm, 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 it would be exciting if it happened. <laughs> this well, is a banger of a beer. It is. I like this one, and um, it's, it's got good body. Mm-hmm. It's got thick mouth feel. Um, I I was looking at the description up on the menu on the wallet. It says bright, crisp, and refreshing. And I'm yep. like, yep, it is all that. Super light and clear. Uh, on the nose, I got like a good wild smell, like that that good wild fermentation smell. Um, I got citrus, some candied lemon. Um, I got some slight clove and cardamom. Uh, on the on the nose as well, which I really loved and appreciated. I, I think that's what I got too, because I wrote down I, I couldn't quite pinpoint it, but I almost wanted to say like a, a little bit of banana peel at the mm. end. Maybe that S- could some, be a product of the, of the French saison yeast, because yeah. it's kind of almost Belgian-y sort of, right? Yep. We keep it lower in the flavor or in the fermentation profile, so that it, it tends to yield more of that. Clove and cardamom. Lemon zest, clove and cardamom, and less of the peppery, green peppery, like things that you do when you let them go higher. Yep. 
Yeah. Smart we, move. We, we tried it both ways. And like, because this is lower alcohol, I can't balance that out. Mm. If we let these go hot, all you'll taste is that. Yeah. yeah. So we restrain this down in the 68, 70 degree range instead of up in the 80s where you would traditionally take a French Cezanne yeast up to get all, all that expression of esters and phenols from it. Mm. Um, we keep it constrained because it doesn't have that alcohol and the rest of it to balance it out. So, yeah. Yeah. So this but, is like a beer that you would think would be higher in ABV. So it's like, well, I want to slow down and enjoy the flavor as I'm sitting next to the bonfire smoking a cigar. Nice. But I'm like, oh, it's only 4.5%. Well, uh, let's have another. <laughs> grab me that other six pack over there. And uh, <laughs> No, this is when you sit down and crush a six pack for your session. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the taste, I got uh, my notes were tart, uh, slight floral, and um, quite a bit more cardamom on the flavor than, than there was on the, on the nose. But I did see. So I'm not a big fan of cardamom, but on this one, I didn't mind it at all. It really kind of brought everything together. It kind of just mellowed everything nicely. I my mom looks way too old to Carter. She <laughs> definitely looks over 21. Jesus. So I'm not sure what your what oh. your mom looks like. Oh, sorry, guys. Yeah, oh. Just Jesus. I mean, we rewind. I was controlling this. That was pretty bad. I don't know if I was controlling the side effects. I'd give you a, a plus was, one for that one. I don't know. <laughs> you want to? You want to give one? That of wasn't these? even a dad joke. That was like a grandpa joke. Yeah, a great. You don't really joke. like that much because he smells maybe. <laughs> but you know, he's your grandpa. And you love him. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. We're gonna take a quick break and uh, hear our ad reads, and we'll be right back after this. Drink more beer. No way. Oh, wait. Wait. Okay. Big Earn here from Brews, Booze, and Reviews. Want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Bridgeview Liquors. Bridgeview is conveniently located in Moorhead, Minnesota at 935 37th Avenue South. They have an impressive selection of craft beers, wines, and all the boozes. They have a friendly and knowledgeable staff. In fact, uh, Bridgeview started their classes again on Saturdays. Go check out uh, Bridgeview on Facebook and click on their events tab for all the classes they have and all the classes that they have coming up. For only 25 bucks, you can attend these classes and you get a sample of some really good stuff. The guys and I actually went to one of the rum classes and it was a great experience. So for all the info on Bridgeview, including their hours of operation, check them out on Facebook. And when you do check out, mention Brews, Booze and Reviews and you get 10% off your purchase. Thank you, listeners, and thank you, Bridgeview. Cheers. We here at Brews, Booze, and Reviews want to thank our sponsors at FargoUnderground.com. Check them out if you want to know what's going on in Fargo-Moorhead and West Fargo. One of the coolest features that I love is the events tab under nightlife. You can find what's going on with live music, comedy, croaky, open mics, trivia. Bingo! Oh, you said, you said 061, right? Hold your cards. We got a possible bingo in the corner. Yeah, yeah, and bingo. So anyway, for more information on what's going on in Fargo Moorhead, check out FargoUnderground.com. All right, welcome back from our ad reads, ladies and gentlemen. We are still here at Fernson Brewing at their brewery location. Only because he hasn't seen us yet. We're only here because he hasn't found us yet. Oh. Because we're hiding. Oh. Otherwise, he would have kicked us out a long time ago. <laughs> we're hiding in the brew room. Uh, no, we, we are here with Derek Fernholz from Fernson Brewing. Uh, once again, uh, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And 
we want to talk next about um, something else that's super interesting, and that's your Curio Sour Ale. Uh, tell us about this one, would you please? Yeah, so Curio is uh, one of our year-round beers for used to say flagship that's not really a thing anymore one of our year-round beers it's a it's a berliner weiss stylistically it is uh four percent alcohol it is 45 percent wheat malt and like 55 percent pilsner so as traditional as it gets in terms of composition we use our ha- our house lactobacillus strain um uh, so we mash it we collect the sugar water all normal brew process mm-hmm. stuff um, we boil it, we cool it down to like 110 degrees Fahrenheit. We put our house lacto culture in there. And overnight, it sours um, to about 3.2 pH. Mm-hmm. Uh, we collect back off a couple of brinks worth of our house lacto culture off of that to save for the next one. We boil it to kill the lacto that's in it. We add a little bit of hops to call it beer, about three to four IBUs worth. And we knock it out like any other beer and ferment with our house ale, ale strain. It's a nice citrusy, tart, uh, refreshing wheat beer. And here's what I think about this. Now, this to me... Wait, wait, I'm not ready. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Ah, okay, here go we ahead. go. Okay, okay I'm ready. ready. All right, so this is a good base sour. Uh, I think more brewers, or breweries especially, should release what their base sour recipe is so people can really judge on what that is and i gotta tell you i wanted to pick this one because this base sour is is tremendous it's a good berliner vice there's no adjunct there's no raspberry there's no fucking vanilla this is the true to form what uh, a sour beer of berliner vice is and i love this i wish more breweries would just can their base malt because i would totally crush this whether there's fucking fruit or whatever the fuck in it this, just as it is, is good enough for me, and I will gladly buy this again. Yeah, so we do this curio year-round, mm-hmm. and usually two to three times a year, we release a fruited variant. So right now in the market here around Sioux Falls, you'll find berry cherry curio. So it's okay. a blackberry, blueberry, cherry uh, fruited version of this. Nice. It's delicious as well, um, but it takes With some more of the edge off. fruit puree. In yeah. It. Okay, good. Um, this is, uh, I don't know, 4.0%. We didn't mention that already. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, okay. he did. I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking a bigger and well, catch up. Hell, what the hell are you doing on this show? <laughs> I don't know. You True. invited me. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, but no, this is a great base sour. Um, and, and I think if you were to add anything to it, it would just uh, make the additions that you have to it like good for that flavor. Uh, when you have a base malt as good as this, adding anything to it, it almost seems like it would, it would make it worse. Getting it down to three point, you know, three two uh, pH is a good good stance. I know some people go down to three four only, um, but I kind of like that really tartness. Now, as long as you're not going like sour warheads, you know, two point nine uh, enough to make start peeling skin off the roof of your mouth. <laughs> tartness, get a whole fish face. Yeah, pucker yeah. your lips. More than two eyes shut, right? Yeah, I, I even I your brown eye s- will shut. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how every time I'm around you. Yeah, there it is. Um. I get some of that funkiness off the aroma and then like lemon, citrus. My notes were super but clean. very bright. Um, surprisingly, not a lot of head, which, which to me is surprising because there's carbonation on the tongue. Acidity will do that. Yep. Um, I get tart tangerines, nectarines, um, some candied lemon, um, the sharp carb in it. On the taste, it's just 
Mine only notes were great bass sour. I wrote down this like the first initial second it, it gets in your mouth. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a sour. I mm-hmm. get that, that sourness. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm bracing myself because I'm typically not a sours guy. But then all of a sudden it, it just kind of mellows out and I get um, uh, more citrusy and lemon, like lemon zest. Mm-hmm. And then some sort of tart candy in there. And uh, yeah, the finish is really nice. Yeah, the finish is really that great. It's like, oh, it's going to be sour. It's like, oh, no, this is actually, it is, but it's got some flavor to it. Yeah, and you just get that great, you know, malt base to it at the very tail end with just that little bit of tartness that makes your mouth water a little bit more. But not like bile, you know, (laughs) bile uh, spit-inducing, but like that just good tart spit-inducing. There's a difference. Keep describing it. Bile notes are uh, bad. I mean, well, I mean, if you you like Duchess, they have some bile notes in there. I think we um, had that. Yeah, we've had on the show. Uh, yeah. You know, we got that. You know, Dutch, Duchess is a great gateway sour. Just so much sweetness in it that mm-hmm. you can get it to the, the average layperson that has never tried a sour beer before. Yeah. You get them to find something, but like it's very, it's got an acetic note to it. So it's like vinegar with sugar. Yeah, it's, it's a that, weird kind of thing. Yeah, and the one thing I didn't really like about Duchess was that balsamic vin- vinegar yeah. kind of back taste the to it. Duchesse de Bergogne. Wow. <laughs> <Zoom> <laughs> These guys freaking French. Um, but oh, yeah, sorry. Log zoom tight. Log zoom tight. Thumbs up. They, the listeners couldn't see that. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll give you one of these. Mm. Oh. All right. So this is a this is a good That's one. Uh, uh, the next one that I wanted to talk about uh, with you today, Derek, uh, on your tap was your Yippio Red Ale. Yippie-o now this is another one that's. That not a lot of people make on a regular basis, and that's red ales. But surprisingly enough, coming to Sioux Falls, we've we've already had two different ones. This being the second one, and I got to tell you, man, I love a good malty beer. I love them in the fall. I also love in the spring, which apparently people think it's weird. But I just love that transition from stout to like I love lagers, and I love malty beers in the springtime as well. Right before you know the sour and the IPA season kicks in, where everything's. We have, more fresh. we have something in common, Knox. What's that? You said you love these in the fall, mm-hmm. and I love these, so I drink them, and then I fall. Yeah, your leg proved that yeah, with that big got bruise on it. <laughs> Damn prom. <laughs> we went to adult prom, or he went to adult prom, and he uh, got a little tipsy and fell I, down. I some. forgot I was not 19 anymore. You <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't be at prom at 19 anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I got to tell you, man, uh, um, it's got a really nice amber-copper color to it, good penny looks to it, good head still. Uh, this one's a 5.3% ABV. Man, on the nose, I get that, again, I get that kind of like copper ale kind of nose, a lot of good malt on this one, lots of barley. Yep, malt, like I'm going to be full after drinking this because it smells thick. Mm-hmm. I put in parentheses, and I know I had asked you beforehand, I, so I know there is no honey in there, but I get that sweetness off that malt. Yep, it's almost like honeyness. How long of a boil did you did you do this for to get that good caramelization, that good uh, brown sugar flavor on that? Uh, I would say standard boil for us for an hour. Hour, mm-hmm. nothing, not nothing outside the norm. But what was the malt bill on this one like? That's a great question. I don't <laughs> brew much anymore. <laughs> oh, um, <shit. laughs> so now he's just busy curling. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you gotta do that. Gotta have your hobby. Yeah. You, gotta, yeah. you gotta work on your arms. Twelve ounce curls. Well, yeah, Wrong twelve curls. ounce curls. Oh yeah. no. Well around here is sixteen ounce curls. Yeah. Or a thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crowlers. No, um, don't know. Okay. Um, but, I, but, but I, I, I do I, think part of what you're getting through on that is um, you know, fermentation character as well. Uh, mashing a little hotter to leave some resi- residual sweetness in there so it's not fermenting out dry will give you some of that carryover sweetness. There's, I guarantee there is a melanoidin malt in there. If it's not honey malt, it's something similar. Okay. That's going to leave some sweetness and some roundness on there, like um, kids' cereal without the sugar, like the like the yep. puffs. The, the, what's the, what's not the there? sugar pops, like but kicks. the regular puff cereal. Yeah, like kicks. Yeah. Yeah. Kicks. No kind sugar added, kind of, yeah. so you always add a bunch of sugar to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's how I eat Cheerios. I just yeah. you know, <laughs> scrape the sugar out of the bottle. It's good of the for bowl. your heart <laughs> until you add a two spoonfuls of sugar. That's how exactly. I grew up. We had the sugar container on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and just, yeah. yeah. First, you got to put the milk on so the yeah. sugar you know, the sticks to the top layer, also just falls through, and all you get on the bottom is a syrup. Yeah, and then you scrape and the you bottom drink, and right? eat the sugar. Eat that <laughs> milk sugar. Yeah. Oh, wait. I still that was my first introduction, introdu- introduction to stripper names. <laughs> They call um, just, they call me tickles. Luctose. Uh but no, uh this uh yeah, this is great maltiness on this one. Man, um and it's not like it doesn't taste dirty dry. Um it's got that nice mouthfeel to it. When it comes to darker beers, sometimes uh with porters it's kinda normal, but when it comes to like the maltier beer, sometimes you get that really dry, almost dirty grainy taste in your tongue and i don't get any of this any of that with this beer and i really appreciate that about these red ales so bravo on this red ale sir this is very delicious thank you thank you yeah nice and roasty Mm -hmm. so you you said uh i believe you were trying to fashion this after a different beer or another beer maybe Uh, a more (laughs) well-known yeah so um so this was a beer we did with USDA alumni, alum, alumni, so University of South Dakota okay. alumni, um, as a spirit beer for Coyote fans, which is USD's oh, okay. thing. Um, and so they wanted a red ale because their color is red. They're, you know, and they drink beer. Yeah. And most on the nose version of that is red ale. So we had to be like, okay, we have to make a red ale. And like my gateway beer, when I first discovered that beer wasn't all gross thin and bitter <laughs> my gateway beer was killian's irish red yeah and so we're like okay they want a red red ale they want red beer um not a red beer in terms of tomato juice but like a red ale <laughs> red. or when i was uh, in my early 20s red dog yeah oh. red dog, red dog. <laughs> um all the nightmares i can think of on that stuff oh, anyways go ahead i'm sorry yeah no so um so that was like we're not gonna make a lager because um Killian's Irish Red is like a red lager. Oh, okay. Um, I guess I never knew that. And, uh, and so we're going to make some approximate. So we like tried to model it after that, but do it as an ale still, so a red ale. And so we, we took some, some inspiration there. It's not a copycat recipe. It's not a clone. But like that was what we kind of had in our mind's eye as we crafted this recipe to, to put out. And their team over at USD loved it, and we loved it. And it's been, uh, it's been a good hit. I love hit. it. Yeah. yeah. We, I love it as well. Really we, we have had some confusion. I mentioned the red beer thing. Uh, we've had it on tap in our downtown place, and we've had people be like, ooh, red red beer. Yeah, I love that. And we give it to them. It's a malty, you know, copper, you know. It's not Bud Light with some it. tomato juice in it. Yeah, and they're like. <laughs> and an olive. 
uh, or is it uh, what? Where's <laughs> this, my pickle? Is this not tomato juice and a light <laughs> beer? Like, no, it's a red ale. That's a style of beer. Uh, That'd be a good experiment too. But Make uh, a no, here, beer. Try it. Yeah. Might like it. Even. All right. Well, well, let's get on to this last beer of the day. This oh. one is uh, one of your also uh, uh, flagship beers. This is your uh, Shy Giant IPA. Uh, what can you tell us about this beer there, Derek? So Shy Giant started as one of our two beers. We, <laughs> like, our story is so <laughs> wild. Um, we started, we didn't have a tap room yet in, in 2015. Okay. We started as a production only. This space that we're sitting in mm-hmm. was earmarked future. We just were, we were brewing. We're going to get beer out in the distro. We only had kegs. We didn't have a canning line yet. We're like, I still don't know what made me and my business partner, Blake, think of this, but we're like, we had figured out farmhouse in the garage and we loved it. We tried it 30 different ways and we couldn't make it better. Like, let's brew that recipe. And then we're like, we want an IPA. Let's make a double. We couldn't get the hops we wanted. It's like, well, we'll just make an IPA. We started out the gate with a farmhouse ale and an IPA. That was our two beers we had for like nine months. Huh. <laughs> um, and so Shy Giant evolved over time. It was, when we first started out, we we're like, all right, we're going to, for instance, style name, for instance, farmhouse, for instance, IPA, for instance, wheat, for instance, porter, for, you know, we'll just mm-hmm. do that. Yep. Because we're, we're old enough that like all of the like unique personas around and if an actual beer weren't really that ubiquitous back then in mm-hmm. 2015. We're like, we wanted to, we had to invent a word for Fernson. So like, let's try to get that over the, you know, over to people and like Fernson's the thing that's carrying the weight. And then here's the style kind of like we do for seed series right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so anyways, we started with the Fernson farmhouse and Fernson IPA and that IPA evolved over time. We first did it in the garage. We were told we could get mosaic and, and Citra. And then we went to pull the trigger to get our contracts like literally two months later. And they're like, yeah, no, we're, we can't get you those. We're all out yeah, all of a sudden. No contract. <laughs> and Jesus so we're like, all right, so we figured it out. Um, so, but it, yeah, as we got it to be what we originally envisioned Shy Giant or our IPA to be, and Lion's Pot was already a thing, which was our first naming of a beer, which was purely serendipitous randomness that it has a name. Because we hadn't named anything to the point where that yep. beer came out. We thought it was going to be a one-off thing, one and done. And now it's most of what we brew. Didn't you go down the rabbit hole to, to find that Lion's Paw name? Yeah, you really did your homework. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, we, we're like, we're Lion's Paw. Okay, our business plan says we can't make lagers because it takes too long and we want to do it the right way. Our first winter, we're like, well, we got tanks we don't need right now. Let's This, this homebrew recipe we've been kicking around for this, like, Vienna lager, Oktoberfest style, Martzen style, something not really stylistic, but multi-logger. Let's let's do a big batch, see how it goes. And we did, and we're like, all right, people like that. We should come up with a name for it. We're like, well, it's just going to be the one thing. We'll just do it once. And uh, so my brain went, it's a German-style lager. It's multi-German uh, uh, um, sound of music. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> sound of music. Uh, Edelweiss, uh, Wikipedia article for Edelweiss. It's in the same family a genus species, whatever, as daffodils and daisies, which Latin name is, uh, is, uh, translates to lion's paw because it has five things. And it's like a paw print. And I was like, lion's paw lager. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. Love alliteration. Wow. ABA. That's, That's how we got there. <laughs> and like, we literally only would have gotten there in the fact that we didn't think we were going to have to do it. Ever. Like 
ongoing. We thought this was going to be one thing. Mm-hmm. Just do it once. That's what it's called. This, yeah, that's that. Yep. Nah, the market was like, we want this <laughs> we all want the time. We want shit now. So, Feed it to us. So that's Take what, our money. As we look out here and look at all these tanks, that's what fueled all that growth. That's mm-hmm. what added all those tanks is that beer. And the fact that we won't compromise on doing a proper five to six week lager. Yep. So we have to have the tanks to do it. Mm-hmm. And so from then we we're like, okay. Now we got to start other beer, right? We're going to start naming beers. Mm-hmm. And so for instance, IPA then morphed into Shy Giant because we loved it because even back then we were brewing something that like was 50 to 70 IBUs, but like theoretically on paper and you know, on the software but like was approachable, wasn't bitter, wasn't like grabbing you, it wasn't, wasn't throat like, burning. Yeah, no. it wasn't ripping you down. Yeah, it was pretty balanced, and that was before the hazy thing ever <laughs> became a thing. And we're like, well, shy giant. It's like it's seven percent alcohol IPA. So it's, it, at the time, it was up there in echelon because IPAs around that time were five and a half. Yeah, five maybe and a half, six. six. Yeah, um, we're like, all right. Well, it's like it's it's, it's a little bit bigger. Juggling that line of yeah. double IPA, it's like it's up there. All right, well, so it's it's shy, but it's giant. Oh, shy giant. Okay, that's where that name came from. That's the, the story right <laughs> the there. The forest of fallen trees. Yeah. And, and the... Uh, courageous gesture. Nice. Yeah. We got a lot the of adventures and tales of Ferns and the Man. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick before we get to uh, the tasting notes of this beer. Uh, tell us about the Ferns and the Man. Yeah, so when we started... Um, we We wanted a name, and we went through the gamut trying to find a name so when we started there was roughly 2,000 breweries in the country mm-hmm. and you couldn't infringe obviously on their brewery names nope. or their beer names but our trademark lawyers are also like even though there's separate categories you can't infringe on a spirit like a distillery's name or a spirit name or a winery's name or any wine name and we're one of the ones we were were really going for was turned out to be a high-end wine from a boutique wine producer in california Jeez. and we're like so we have to worry about the fact that our $10 six-pack might be misconstrued as this $150 bottle of wine producer. They're like, yeah. I was From like, California? Cool. Yeah. And so we're like, we got to invent a word. And so we amalgamed our last names, right? So Fernholds Fern, and Thompson. That's right. Fernholds Thompson became Fernson. It sounded better than Tompholes. And so... Uh, <laughs> maybe yes, it, 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 You were absolutely correct on that assumption. Yes, it yep. does sound way better. And that's my business partner's mom's idea. Actually, she brought it to us pretty early on. They're like, what do you want to just do this? Like, Fernson, that could be fun. And I was like, I didn't hate it. And so my big thing was like, hey, Blake, like, this is a lot of me. Because it's more identifiable as my last name or derivative thereof as than yours. Mm. Are you okay with it? He's like, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. So um, we're good partners in, in that regard. And like, I just, I, I didn't want it to seem like more of mine than him because we're equal partners in mm. this. And, um, but we went through probably 30 different names and finally never came up with some, something better than Fernson. So we're like, all right, we got a lot of work to do. We're yeah. inventing a word and we have to educate the public about it. Yeah, we got to get a fucking trademark in. We got to do that. All was that was easy because we invented a word. We own that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I, just, I would just like to say that um, he is not here. No. But you are. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, we, we juggle what we can. We both, so we started this brewery this, around the same time we both started having families. Mm-hmm. I've got two kids. He's got three. So you His started young... drinking and then you impregnated people. Mm, sure. <laughs> That's a really crass way of putting shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. basically. Yeah. Was, yeah. Just... Got married and had kids. <laughs> yeah. American dream. It just all happened around the same time. Mm-hmm. But no, he, um, so he's got three boys. I got two girls. Um, his youngest was born like six months ago and his wife, 
uh, owns a bridal boutique downtown. So Saturday's a oh, big, she owns uh, another company too. Yeah. Oh shit. So Saturday's a huge day for them. And so generally he's not available on Saturdays because she's running her store. So he's got the kids. Mm -hmm. So no uh, discredit okay. to him whatsoever. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. Busy, no. busy family man. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, quite that's, okay. that's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he, and he's the brewmaster. Like, like I was, I, I think I said to you guys, but like off, off air, I don't remember the last time I brewed a beer. Um, <laughs> Cause we all have to specialize over time and we all have to do things. And like, I fix things. I try to organize things. I try to do what I can here. Um, Blake's the brewmaster. He brews everything here. So you're the business manager and he's the uh, supply manager. Yeah, a little bit of that. We're co-CEOs. <laughs> he he does the books and the finance stuff and deposits checks. And I help oversee marketing and uh, design and sales and tap rooms. Right. So we, we share it really well. But, you know, he's the one who's here at 430 in the morning on a brew day. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. yeah. That's fucking dedication <laughs> right there, man. <laughs> so... But, so shout um, out to Blake Thompson, man. Yeah, that's right. Would have been great to talk to you, but hey, you're a family guy and it's understandable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so we created this persona that was Fernson, right? So we're like, Fernson sounds like a surname, right? It's an amalgam of our last names, but it sounds like somebody could have that last name. Yep. And so we're like, we both love Tolkien. We both love like that fictional world, right? And yep. so we're like, it was like a Gandalfian paul bunyan-esque yep. john muir like what you know like Dragonlands chronicles yeah all that kind of shit fantasy adventure bigger than life everybody's mm -hmm. got a story about him but nobody's mm -hmm. actually met him or like if they have it's i know somebody who said they knew somebody that met them like right so like that sort of like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah bigger yeah. than life it's that like bill brasky from hand like, account or like bill brasky from snl i remember, mm -hmm. remember those whole schemes oh, like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah like all everybody's got a story about him but nobody's actually ever met the dude mm -hmm. and so that was kind of like where we went with it we, we created what we called a modern prairie storybook and so you, you guys like are sitting urban here legend yeah you guys are sitting in our tap room and you're seeing like these title pages from these chapters they're literally written we wrote these stories like they exist <laughs> really yeah but it's too much to bring people along for gotcha and i i really i, I know i'm not hopeful i know someday we will put these out and it'll be really fun and cool mm -hmm. um we we hoped that we would be able to have people invest in our this farcical story we created yeah and to some degree they all did because they all have furnace on their brain mm -hmm. But they, we didn't. What we turned out, we didn't need the story. We didn't need to create all the thing we created. They know it as what we are here. Yeah, they know it as Blake and myself. You, we know it as the beer you make. as Mitch and Andrew and Evan previously, and our production crew back there, Jordan, Jake, and Nick. They know the people that mm -hmm. create it because we're here. We're part of this community. We're part of the Upper Midwest, mm -hmm. and so we didn't need to have this storybook to get across we have it and we're going to use it later because it's really fun stuff it's very foundational to us um and we still all wear that hat of like we're thinking of a new idea or a brand or a thing and like we kind of we, we all inherently hear that workforce and there's only eight of us that do all this out here yeah we can put that furnace hat on it's like does this feel right for our brand voice like does this feel right for furnace mm -hmm. we all have that without actually having to flip our brain and put on a metaphorical hat yeah. like we have it are you dumbled or uh, are you uh house griffin or uh <laughs> Ooh, he would just butchered a harry potter thanks for coming today <laughs> yeah when you put on the hat and they say if you're griffin minus 50 points for slytherin yeah slytherin yeah <laughs>
That's the other fucking house. Fuck. I'm terrible at this fantasy You stuff. shall not pass. No, that's fucking. I know. Uh, uh, yeah. He knew. But yeah, so. Yeah, that's shy a great giant. story. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so Shy Giant. Um, for my notes here, man, I, I said it's a 7.0 ABV, a slight haze. Uh, it's got a good yellow color. Uh, the nose is really dank. I get uh, passion fruit and some, some kind of like garlic off of that a little bit. Uh, the taste, I got great mouthfeel, pillowy, uh, hop smell follows the flavors. Those are my notes. What do, you, what do you got for notes there, big guy? And Damn near the same. Yeah. I got uh, I get some floral off the nose, but a lot of juiciness mm-hmm. and dankness. Um, off the taste, I get it's very well balanced. Um, it coats the tongue yeah. just like a wave. And then uh, I get maybe a little more floral off the taste. Um, very hot forward. Excellent. And then there's something at the end, and I have a question mark. I'm not sure what it is. It's hard to pinpoint. Like what, it fit, what it finishes dust. in? Fairy dust. That could be. <laughs> well, you know, giants and, and fairies. And yeah. Some big ants. Chop down the... Some big ants walking through the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Tree people. It's be- I guess it's better than crab uh, But people, this is... Crab Yeah, people. 7%. That's mm-hmm. another dangerous one. Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, and I don't get any of that really peppery aftertaste where it's like, uh, it offends my mouth. Um, so but this it, but is just a really good IPA. It kind of feels substantial, though, when you're, when you're drinking it. Like, it's not like a, you're drinking water. You know you're drinking no. something. But it's not no, like it's you're drinking thick. a fucking pastry it's, stout. Um, but it's got that good you know, body to it, so you know you're drinking something. I, this would be one of those where, like, like me three years ago, I don't like IPAs. Well, try this. Yeah, Let maybe me know what you think. Maybe you just haven't had the right IPA. Yeah. This would be one of those. I think if you say you don't like IPAs, try this one. Try Could this be a good gate, giant because this, this is some good juicy stuff. Nice. Wow, man! But I, I, I gotta say, we've had some great beers here today, Derek. Thank you so much for inviting us. Um, if people want to learn more about Ferenson Brewing, uh, where can they go? Fernson.com, uh, Instagram.com slash Fernson or slash Drink Skip Day for our seltzer specific content. Nice. Fernson Brewing on in are on Facebook as well as Fernson Brewing on Twitter. Oh, you're on Twitter? Yeah, uh, we won't do Twitter. We hate mm. I hate Twitter. I, I can't I spend too much time on Facebook and Instagram and I have the time to do fucking Twitter as well. I just well, can't, I can't do it. <laughs> we got it all. We got TikTok. Get on there. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen some of those TikToks that you guys have and some of the reels that I see on Instagram. Nice job, guys. Uh, So you have two locations. You have the brewery here over on, what is it, uh, Dubar? Rober. Rober. I knew it was something like that. Yeah, you're close. And then you have the downtown location, which has four more taps on hand. And you also have food. Uh, Tell us about the downtown location. What do you got there? What what events you got going on? Yeah, for instance, downtown is right on Phillips in the heart of downtown Sioux Falls. Greatest patio down there. It's on the federal court hard, uh, courthouse square, so it's off the street. A hundred person patio. It's awesome. Oh. Tree covered in the summer. It's great. No umbrellas needed. Uh, nice. Inside, full kitchen, full menu. We got burgers, sandwiches, salads, fried chicken sandwiches, appetite. Oh. I mean, pretty much anything for everybody, including vegetarian and vegan options. Just great space, great brew. Sixteen on tap, and generally another four to eight on in cans only. Like we generally got minimum twenty of our products available for for drink down there. 
And you have off-sale there. You we do. Buy. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So you can I know we didn't talk about it, but I'm definitely going to get me some of that Lions Paw Lager. Definitely. You can bring some of that back to Fargo. Yeah. Uh, you can get a hold of the, of the actual uh, brewery here at 605-789-3822 at 1400 East Rober Drive. Uh, you can email them at hello at fernson.com. If you wanted to travel downtown, check it out. They're open uh, Tuesday through Wednesday, 3 p.m. to 9 p.m., Thursday, 3 p.m. to 10 p.m., and Friday, 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., Saturday, noon to 11 p.m., and Sunday, 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. And you can uh, locate them at 1400. Well, that's. <laughs> That's our address. business address. Yeah, it's business 332 address. South Phillips Avenue, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, 57104. And you can call them at 605-789-2012. So check them out on Facebook. Check them out on Instagram. Check them out on Twitter. And don't forget to tell your friends about this episode to learn more about Ferns and Brewing. Uh, Derek Fernholz, thank you for having us here at Ferns and Brewing. Really appreciate it. And we Thanks wanna, for sharing. Yep. And we yeah, wanna, appreciate it. We want to thank our sponsors for supporting our show. We want to thank you, our listeners, without whom this podcast couldn't happen. And to you, we say, may, may your glasses be full and your spirits high. Cheers. This has been a Predica Productions episode of Brews, Booze, and Reviews. Follow us on all social medias at Brews, Booze, and Reviews. Special thanks to our sponsors for supporting our podcast. You, too, can support our show by supporting them. We have merch for sale and additional content available on Patreon. New content coming always because it's fun to come always.